Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Pushkin. Glenn Hansard is best known as the lead in the 2007 movie Once. It's about a hard scrabble busker in Dublin. It's a role he was probably destined to play, himself having dropped out of school at 13 to busk around Ireland's capital. Prior to that movie role, Hansard had put out a string of great albums with a band called The Frames. But after the film, he started working on other projects and also a solo career. His fourth solo album, The Wild Willing, came out on Anti Records last year. He and his band, including keyboardist Rami, met up with Bruce Hedlum in Nashville to chat about the unique approach he and the band took to creating the record, improvising nearly every song. And unlike most folk records, it has a lot of electronics on it. Hanser talks and plays through some of the songs off the album, and then opens things up with a song that contains a very unintuitive sample. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's Glenn Hansard playing I'll Be You, Be Me. See if you can guess the sample. It's very hard to sum up your career because you've done so many different things. Um, And when I was reviewing them, I realized something, and I don't know if this has occurred to you, but uh, you won an Oscar for... Uh, the song from the movie Once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you won a Grammy as well for uh, that. I know the soundtrack won a Grammy. I don't Sa- know. Does that mean I did? I think it means you did. Oh, maybe it didn't. I think the, no, I think, yeah, it did. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, and then it be- uh, once became a Broadway show that won a slew of Grammys. 
uh, Tonys and Grammys. Tonys, yeah. pardon yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, Tonys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that means you have an Oscar, a Grammy, mm. and a Tony. Mm. If you get an Emmy, <laughs> you have the EGOT. Do you know the EGOT? No. The EGOT is for people who've won Emmys, Grammys, Oscars, and Tonys. It's a special award. There's only been 15 people in history. No way. You would join Richard Rogers, Helen Hayes. Okay. Uh, John Legend, but, you know, Barbara Streisand didn't do it. Okay, wow. So see what you can do, okay? Okay. All right. That's our project. It's, you've given me a new trajectory in life. Okay. All right. We're on it. <laughs> That's our project then. Um, TV people, listen up. We're getting this man an EGOT. Um, you got it. This album, this is new album you're releasing, is it's described as a departure from what you've been doing the last few albums. So tell me, tell me about the making of this album and how it is different. Well, sometimes we go through periods of our life where we're doing certain things and we're, we're you know, we're writing certain ways. And uh, for, for me, the last couple of records, well, certainly since the beginning of me making Glenn Hansard records, uh, it was, it seemed to me like the, 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 the city of New York had a kind of a, there was a through line. There was a kind of an American sense throughout the records that I was making over the, the last few years. And this one, it just, it's the longest period in the last kind of 20 years that I haven't been in America, which is about a year and a half. And, you know, not to say that that really means anything for or against the record. It's just that I spent a lot of time in Paris in the last year and a half and uh, also time with 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 Romy and David Odlum over in, in, in France recording this record and Joe and um, making a kind of a, decided to make an acoustic record, but I had some time in France and in Paris and that I think is what made this album a little different. In that when I listen to these songs now, it's the streets of Paris that, that come back to me because it was on the streets where I wrote the lyrics you know, taking long walks and thinking of meditating. When a song comes into your head, you get about four days of absolute focus because you get excited about a lyric or you get excited about a melody and it just rolls around your head and around your head and around your head. And you can sit and you can write at your desk or you can just go for walks because the song's not going to leave your head. You've got to, you, sometimes you've got four days, sometimes you've got two weeks where the song won't leave your head. You become obsessed. It becomes the only thought you have and everything else is just sur is surrounding that one thought. And so in Paris, I was walking around with these songs in my head and I was finding the lines and I was kind of jotting them down quickly, uh, either in my phone or in a notebook. And, and when I'd get home that evening, I'd sort of compile what I'd sort of come across during the day. And what's wonderful, I set a couple of parameters around the songs in that I thought each lyric needs to be an actual experience. I wanted every line in the album and every line in every song to be a particular memory that it couldn't just be, oh, that rhymes with that. And that's actually a good line. That wasn't good enough. It had to be, I wanted to anchor every line into something that was actually going on. Hmm. And what, tell, the song you just performed, I'll Be You. Yeah. Uh, I remember walking from the uh, Irish Cultural Centre, which was the place I was staying. It was like an old monastery and they gave us a small room. And uh, I was spending time in that place and really loving it in the Latin Quarter, right in the middle of the Latin Quarter in the fifth hour in this morning, Paris. And I was walking down the Rue Mouffetard and turning left. And I, just as I got to the junction uh, of La Gobeline, which is one of the sort of major streets, uh, this whole thing just sort of hit me. You know, I had kind of hit upon with Joe and Ruth in the studio, um, your love's a bonnie snare traps me in the evening, which I thought, what an interesting thing to just sort of pop out of your mouth. 
and and I liked the image of it. You know that 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 there's a kind of a, you know, you know how to you know how to pull me in. You know exactly what it is. You know my buttons. You know, and there's an intimacy in that, and admitting to someone that you know exactly what it is. And so I started to think about the song as the lover, as a as the spider who devour, devours her lover. And so I started going off on that imagery in my head. And it was like, I'll be you, be me, and I'll be you, and we won't say no more about it. This idea that we'll swap, we'll become each other. And I was really, really pleased with where the song was going. It kind of, there was a kind of a permission to get dark, if you like. Mm-hmm. There was something about the chord structure that allowed you to, to stay between dark and contemplative and even lightness. So uh, for me, when I hear the song, I'm straight back on that street and it's a particular corner. You know, so so I'm very happy with how that that turned out because now when I sing these songs, I I, I can there's a place in them. I can place myself in, somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's also a song that just technically mm. uh, uses a sample. Which had you ever used a sample before? Oh yeah, oh we've used samples through the oh, frames. Okay. Yeah, a long time. Okay, and my friend David was in the studio, and I had myself and Ruth and Joe would start playing around with this like it was just like the. And we were just fooling around and, and uh, my friend David Cleary, who, who had asked, I had asked to come over, there's two really interesting musicians from Dublin, uh, David Cleary and Dunk Murphy, who are kind of experimental electronic musicians. And, and they would very much inhabit the world that, that Romy inhabits, which is just all about texture and, and bending and the, the, the only kind of instruction that they were given coming into the record was like, we'd love you to come in because we have a bunch of Persian musicians coming in. Mm-hmm. So we'd love you to come in as a balance. The, the, because if there was just Persian m- musicians playing along with an acoustic record, it's going to sound quite esoteric, maybe world music uh, right. in a way. So the, the, the way to balance that was to bring in these electronic musicians and say, your job is to disrupt the music, just to disrupt anything you hear and come in and just put an, put an elbow into it, uh, a dirty mm-hmm. elbow, and which is exactly what they did. And, and David said, I have a beat for that, that that I think would really work. And the beat was really odd. <laughs> And it's from a cassette, so it's really noisy. And we kind of fell in love with the texture of the sound um, because it, as a beat, it's just a very simple beat. But we fell in love with the texture. And he said, you know, no one will ever know what this is. This is from the David Bowie Queen session for Under Pressure, but it's like a song that was never used. Don't worry about it. it, it it's something I found somewhere that no one will ever figure out what it is. Right. And, um, you know, and so we got excited by it. And the idea that it, the idea that 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 what we're hearing is, you know, John Deacon, you know, and there's a touch of Bowie in the in the in the vocal, you know, there's a kind of a very very so just the fact that the the spirit of these these people is on the song kind of gave it an extra layer of kind of uh, sensuality, if you like. So we got very excited about it. We we finished the song. We we mixed it. We it mastered it, and we put it on a record. And then suddenly, you know. I, I downloaded Spotify on my computer because I'd, I'd been asked to do it so many times to just to sort of listen to it and check it out, which I'd kind of resisted up until that point. And so I did. And within six songs of listening to Spotify, I heard a song called Cool Cat by Queen, which it was exactly the same beat. And I realized that we were in real trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So, uh, what are the chances Queen would sue us over? Yeah, this? yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nobody's heard of them. Exactly. And we were we all cursed our friend David for a while, and then we had to, and then Howard had the unenviable job of going and trying to contact Brian May and asking him for permission, which took a couple of months because they had the movie coming out and stuff. So, yeah. the album ended up getting put back till April. But uh, you know, it, in the end of the day, we we did recreate the beat, which, which was easy to do because it's not a it's not like a super original beat or anything. It's like mm-hmm. a you know it's on every record but uh but the fact that it was them the fact that it was had all that hiss the fact that it was it, that it came from that session was worth actually pursuing it it was worth actually asking and going through the front door and asking for permission and they gave us permission hmm. maybe you're listening to a premium lawyers edition of uh, spotify that just allows it <laughs> that's good to, to track it down um you said this album was built from the ground up yeah what does that mean what it means is that not one song on this record w- was a song before we went into the studio. And that's untrue. The two songs. The one, the one I'll come back to find are Leave a Light and Brothers Keeper were two songs that existed before. But the rest of the songs came in the studio. They were, they were brand new. They were brand new in the studio. And like, for instance, like I'll Be You, Be Me was played once. We never played it twice. We never, it was a, it was a little jam that we elaborated on. Um, a song like uh, Way to the World that happened once, we've never played it since. You know, we've actually tried to play it at sound checks and stuff, but we never managed to figure out what we did mm. in the moment. And, and, and that became the exciting part of the birth of this record was we were going in to record a set of songs, you know, and some of them were covers even. We were going in to record a couple of friends of, of our songs. And then when it came time to listen back to what we had, we, we realized that there was a whole bunch of jams that were really interesting. And then we just decided to scrap everything that we were working on and then just focus on the jams. And once we focused on them and we elaborated on them, they became their own songs entirely. And they became much more exciting because they were coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I'm singing songs in keys that are not good for my voice. My voice is way down low, but I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to jam along with whatever chords we just came up with. So there's a kind of an element of freedom to those songs that was much more attractive to us in that moment than the songs that we went in to try nail, if you like. Why don't we hear another one? Yeah. This is called Fool's Game. Now, was that a song that came out of the same method? Were you in a studio and this it came out of a jam? Yeah, Matt Dunk was showing me around his vocoder, something I'd never used before, and he had this delay on it, which is like, meow, 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 wow, wow, wow. I was like, it's a fool's, fool's, fool's. Game. You know, it's like it's a fool's game, and that's all I had. But the way the the um, the delay was picking it up, it kind of had this very interesting thing. And I thought, wow, this kind of sound—it sort of reminded me somehow of like a Velvet Underground song, but with a kind of a vocoder. And I thought, this is a very simple chord. You know, sometimes if you're lucky, you'll hit upon a kind of a song where you go, "This sounds simple enough to be really good." You know, where you're not kind of overthinking it, and it just—it's sort of, a fool's 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 game lover that we have to have to have to play and so i just took away the 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 delay and then just sang it it's a fool's fool's game lover that we have to play so it's it's all the threes which we were were watching a a, a interesting documentary about the the bass recently and the tree is a it's a very important part the three over the four boom 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 so one two oh it's actually it's it's a tree over three right right yeah boom 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 Apparently, this, this, the, the three over the four is like a big thing. I know Dylan's really we're hearing, into it. We're hearing Queen again yeah. over here. <laughs> well, I just picked that example. It could have been something else. Mm-hmm. Hey, tell me, what that, the three over the four, tell me what that... 
Oh, I don't know. I think there was something that was like Bootsy or somebody was talking and it was like, if you're ever in doubt, just give them three. So you just go, you know. So that's the tree that one, two, three. And then you just fill in something else and give mm-hmm. them Okay, but in that case, like that song, which is a beautiful song, if I asked, I'm sure a hundred musicians, they would say, no, that song was the product of a songwriter sitting and coming up with a very, with a kind of very concise, very perfect lyric that goes with this melody. It it doesn't sound like the product of jamming. It doesn't sound like an Eric Clapton song. It doesn't. So yeah. I'm interested in how that came together. Um, I, were you playing a certain kind of riff or... And then, Romy, you jumped in, or how did that emerge then? No, there was no guitar involved. It, it was just a vocoder keyboard and a delay. Mm. And then and then that became, I actually have the recording here in my, in my phone. Maybe, maybe look, I'll find Play it. it. yeah. Yeah, I'll find it. It's going to be, it's, it's called vocoder song in my, in my, uh, <laughs> let's try this, see if it, see if it works. That's me. hit on the fool's game line yet but I will I moved on to something else there, but at some point, at some point I say fool's game and maybe in the next one, but Mm -hmm. you you hear the idea. So then in the studio, did you just play that for, you know, we, 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 we Dunk had forgotten to bring his vocoder with him which was that sound, which was kind of a culmination of a bunch of stuff going into a bunch of stuff, creating that big sort of fizz of sound and delay. So we went and we ordered some Russian vocoder uh, on eBay, which he claimed would be like the, the perfect one to do it on. And we, you know, I think we got it for like 600 quid. It was like, it was expensive. Um, someone in, in Spain had it and then Javier had called the shop, Javier, our friend in Spain, had called to the shop and the guy had given him the, anyway, we got the vocoder, it was a Russian vocoder, we couldn't understand anything that was written on it. Um, <laughs> it was like, because all the instructions <laughs> were in Russian, all the buttons. And we tried to get it going and it didn't work and then we ended up using uh, one of those um, Korg, the micro Korg, uh, that has a vocoder setting on it and uh, something that Warren Ellis swears by, he uses it all the time and mm-hmm. so we got this one and uh and and it was perfect, and so, but that was that that that, that was the one we were trying to recreate. Mm-hmm. 
And then how did you add, how did you make the song from there? Like, Romy, how did, when you heard it, you thought, did something occur to you about playing it or? Well, I think if I remember correctly, we kind of just, like, we, we set up that microchorg. Mm-hmm. We got the vote, we got a vote carder going. And then, like pretty much everything else, we just sort of, Glenn started singing, singing those lines and playing it. And we all just kind of felt our way around it and got some droney stuff going on. But yeah, it was very, very loose. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is massively putting you on the spot. Could you do that now if Glenn started playing something? Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. That's, that's the, the whole session is based on the idea of here's a thought, you know, like, uh, let me let me see. Uh, okay. You know, there's, there could be a song in that, still no word, still, 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 still haven't, you know, still listening, still waiting. You've not come, nothing's come back. So suddenly when you start playing that, you get all these thoughts like, okay, so it's still no word is the first thing that fell out of your mouth. Then trust that and then follow that. And then just use that as a kind of a, as a kind of a tent pole to a bunch of thoughts, you know? So what is this? Why is there still, still no word for who, to who? Why are you waiting? Do you need to wait? Is, is, does your life depend on hearing from whatever, whoever this is, you know? And then you suddenly, your brain just starts going, and then you, you find just, and you have to be, you have to allow yourself to go. That's the key to, to writing is, is to allow mistakes to allow dreadful like I mean we were changing cor- I'm changing chords there without informing anybody what's going on mm-hmm. so there's definitely going to be mistakes we're going to hit we're going to bang into each other of course but that's the that's the basis of that's the basis of music how long did it take you to be comfortable enough to do that kind of playing uh, when you were a kid were you worried about getting it right first and that that inhibited you or were you always able to kind of just open up that way no, I don't think we're always able to open up that way. You learn how to play guitar and of course, every you know, when you learn how to play the guitar and any instrument, you, you want to get it right. So every time you play a song, you want to get it, you want to play it correctly. You want to execute the song correctly. But it, it does, you do get to a place with musicians where you find intimacy and that intimacy is that you can completely blow it. I mean, for years, Joe has been listening to me go, well, you know, mm. and then, and then, but when we go, when we go on stage, there's a shape to that and there's a, there's lyrics to that, but the lyrics don't necessarily come as you as you're beginning. The lyrics can sometimes you sometimes have to find your way into a song and find your way into what it means. So, for instance, when we recorded Fool's Game, I probably had most of the most of the lyric kind of figured out. But it, I was probably writing that song the whole way through the session, you know, and again, like walking around Paris in between sessions, thinking about the song, listening to the kind of the blah, blah, blah and the the kind of, you know, me, you know, me trying to find something and kind of going, wow, I really see where I was kind of trying to get to there. But now that I'm outside of that moment where I have the instrument in my hand, I know what I was trying to say. I was trying to say this. And so I write it down. Okay. So, so then I go back and I know exactly what it was I was trying mm-hmm. to get. Oh, they're trying to hide the vocorder. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> like, keep Glenn away from the vocorder. He loves that thing. See, anything that, anything that takes you out of your comfort, you know, so the vocorder was really, was really great because it takes you away from a guy with a guitar in his hand because mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm, I'm limited when it comes to me and a guitar because I know the chords. I mean, I know the chords, my brain will automatically go to one of those chords because it knows the safety of what that chord will bring. Whereas when you play with something like a vocoder or even for me, in my case, a piano, like I'll hit a chord where I go, whoa, what's that? And it might actually be the, the you know, the, the fourth to what I was doing, but because it sounds so different on piano, I'm excited by it. Whereas when I play it on a guitar, I'm not. Mm-hmm. 
so you can do you say you you can almost know your instrument too well i think in a way you get you can get into a rut with your instrument because you know once you know how that chord relates to that chord you know you you get locked into because you know at the end of the day most music operates most western music operates within a very simple you know what is it the three five what, what i always it's a nashville thing isn't it the uh the one four, one, four, five. one four five that that idea that once we once we figure out all of that then it all becomes second nature but if you put yourself on an instrument you don't know you might be doing the one four five but it sounds amazing because mm-hmm. you don't know what you're doing even though you might still be operating very much in a very simple uh, uh structure and that's exciting i mean musicians are and, and artists are constantly seeking perspective shifts that's why when you read like you know, Cohen's biography or whatever, you know, you kind of understand why he was taking Mandrax and Speed at the same time. Because perspective shift is everything in in writing. It's all about getting out of your own head and literally getting out of your head. I mean, getting out of your own, the the place that that restricts you to certain ideas. And, you know, there's a lot of romance around musicians' use of drugs uh, and painters and poets use of drugs to find themselves in, in a different headspace because that's exact, that's precisely where, where things can, can really, you can, you can basically get out of your own way. And that's, that's always what you're looking for. And that's what the vocoder can give you or what, what the playing an instrument that you don't know can give you. It gives you a perspective shift and you can, uh, you can find yourself in a different spot. Would you like to play another song? Yeah. <sighs> I'll let you take a breath. <laughs> Thanks. What was the experience that uh, that led to that song? I was sitting at the piano in the studio and I was trying to record a song called Shelter Me, a song that, again, didn't make the record. A bunch of the songs that I went in to record didn't make the record. So I was sitting at the piano, I was trying to record the song, and I had this diddly ding dong dong dong. I love that dong dong diddly ding dong 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 dong. There's something about the way that was kind of just flowing that boom, boom, but it reminded me again, like the Stooges or something like the dung, dung, dung. You know, those are great Velvet Underground songs. I keep coming back to them actually. As, but just like dung, 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 you know, when you get that sort of constant piano banging. And because I don't know what I'm doing in terms of the chords, uh, again, I'm feeling quite free. And I remember kind of going, uh, I remember playing the thing. And, and, and there, is a, there is a recording of that too. Uh, let me find it. I'm going to find it for you because it's, 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 it's worth hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll, this is the very first moment. In fact, I've got this for every single song. <laughs> the first moment because that's how the whole record came together. Let me just find it. I think we need the, we need the iPhone memos version yeah. of this. Yeah, uh, it, would, it would be interesting to, uh, it would be interesting. Let me see now. Yeah. Let them know we weren't afraid. There's no hard at least beating. There's no water in the way Maybe you will have to meet them As equals one day Go 
all say we passed this way. Tell them we came as equals. Let them know we were afraid. Let them see we were together. Let them know there's time to play. Maybe you will be replaced with. Maybe you. So there you go. It's just a, you know, you can mm-hmm. just hear it. You can hear the bones of an idea emerging yeah. out of it. There's a, there's a touch of Imagine by John Lennon, too, in the... In the diggle ding yeah. And in the... Uh, the one... The, yeah, that chord progression, yeah. that C, the... the, the, the yeah, that's the... Right, yeah, yeah. That, that sounds yeah, like Imagine, good. you're right. Yeah, it's kind of nice. And, and because I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know... I, certainly don't know that I'm referencing John Lennon, but I'm like, oh, that feels like a nice way to get to the next chord. Mm. And so, and it's only where my fingers can reach. And you've deliberately not learned the piano for that reason? It, it gives you some... It, I, I, I honestly, I honestly have the strong feeling that one must learn an instrument only enough to be able to, to execute a song. That when you get, when you get into the minutiae of music, you can, it's, it stops your creativity. Really? I feel, I feel like I only ever wanted to be a, a guitar player good enough to play a song. Mm. I never wanted to, be, to progress and become a really good lead guitar player or, or to get into jazz chords because once you learn the relationship between all the chords, then, you, then you've got it mapped. And once you've got it mapped, then, then, then you start figuring out interesting paths. And once you find the interesting paths, it's like you know too much. So I love, mm. I love having naivety on an instrument. Like I love having instruments that I don't know how to play. Mm. It's it's interesting. We're in Nashville, which is probably the home of the best players anywhere. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. We could get fifty guitarists in here who would yeah. be the best in any other city, and they're all right here. Yeah. Uh, but you like that. You like not knowing things. For me, it's for me, it's crucial. Yeah, and it's crucial in in the in the in the writing process because the writing process can't be governed by the tuning or the or the rhythm being right. It has to be. You have to be allowed to just. You know, like you know, music is not hygiene. It's 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 dirty. It has to be dirty. When we come back, we'll have more with Glenn Hansard. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to three percent daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, attempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. 
With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. We're back with Glenn Hansard. Bruce asked him to pick a cover song to play for this taping, and he picked one of my favorites from Joni Mitchell. We've had people do a lot of covers. This strikes me as the most unusual one. How long have you been playing Coyote? Oh, um, well, I learned it. I mean, I know the song for so long. I only learned it um, when, I, when, we, when I was invited to play at Joni's 75th or 70th birthday party. Um, I learned it formally, but I always knew it. You know, it's it's a song that I would kind of play a verse or two. But then sometimes you formally learn a song, as in you sit down and you go, right, I need, I'm need. i going to learn this. So I've known the song a long time, uh, but I really brushed it up and kind of learned my version, if you like. Were you a fan of hers? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, geez, yeah. I mean, since I was, you know, that was the beginning of my musical. My first Joni record was Hijera. I mean, that was the one that I, Court and Spark, they were the records that got me into her. It was only when I was older I, I, I discovered Ladies of the Canyon and the earlier stuff, which was amazing. And Blue, of course. Mm-hmm. But Blue wasn't around when I was a kid. It was more the, the kind of slightly jazzier stuff. She hadn't she hadn't gone deep into the jazz thing yet. So Hijera is still a kind of a, a record that's, you know, yeah. fairly accessible. But um no, that was the stuff that I grew up with. She's she's a very intimidating person to cover though. Her music is complicated. Absolutely. It's uh, deep. I, I remember having to learn Shadows and or getting to learn Shadows and Like. Um, and every picture has its shadow and it has some form of light. Blindness, blindness inside. And then it goes to a key change. Treading by all things, God of cruelty, drawn to all things, God of delight. You know, the way she, the way her voice is moving around, I had to figure out how to do that. And that was completely outside of my melodic instinct. Mm-hmm. And so it was really difficult. And I was so surprised how the notes just wouldn't go into my head. And then one day it just went, bam, and it went into my head and I had them and I, and I had it. But, it. but it definitely made me a better musician overnight, having to sit down and tackle some of her songs. Mm-hmm. Because she's, this song in particular, which has always been a favorite of mine, is a very tough, unsentimental yeah. song. Yeah. With some incredibly memorable oh my God. lines. Yeah, it's an um, amazing song. But it's song. also very much, a, it's a woman's song. Yeah. Or it's her song. Absolutely. Um, 
written from the point of view of someone who had this relationship. Yes. What's it like to sing it as a man? Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful because you know you're just trying to get in. You're trying to get in the headspace where she was at. Mm-hmm. And I love there's a there's a there's a it's a it's a the male and the the, the sort of the, the masculine and feminine in writing and in music and in life. I find it fascinating to mm-hmm. to move between both of them and to try to inhabit both equally. And then you did meet her when you when you performed this. What was that like? Yeah, I met her. We sh- we shared a dressing room actually, and and it was a was a wonderful experience. She was incredible. She was such an um, she gave me such amazing advice. She spent time. She was very present. I mean, it was one of those meetings where I was going, God, I wish my I wish I was recording this because she's speaking so fast and there's so much going on, and her brain is operating at such a high level that I wish I could I wish I could go often really absorb all this at a later point, but I just had to keep up. And I had an amazing, a really amazing time. Do you remember any of the advice she gave you? I was telling her a story about a, uh, about a, a, a homeless guy. I know, and I remember her saying, you should rhyme that, you know, and, and that was, she was like, you should rhyme that song. And I said, that's, well, that's an amazing way to look at it. She said, well, that's what we do as writers. We just rhyme our lives, you know, just rhyme that story. It's a good one. And so I just thought, what an amazing, what an incredibly, you know, the wisdom of just rhyme it. You know, that's, that's what we do. You know, she, she, you know, and she, we spoke a little bit about some of the, you know, we were talking about Leonard and we were talking about Dylan and, you know, and she had very interesting perspectives on these people and, and Neil Young. And, you know, for me, it was just a very exciting uh, time to, not, not really stuff I can repeat, you know, because it would just be outside of, I mean, nothing that she probably hasn't said in the press anyway, but, but, mm-hmm. but uh, it was fascinating to spend time with her and talk about these greats. But she's the greatest. Yes, she's incredible. And, you know, she was very straight about that. She was like, I'm as good as any of those motherfuckers. <laughs> and she's right, you know, I mean, it's yeah. like she's, she's absolutely, she's giant. And I just really thank, I, I thank whatever good fortune and good, you know, alignment of stars or whatever it was that put me in a room with her for, for those couple of days. And just to have been around, you know, when you're, whenever you're in the presence of mastery, Everything changes. The, the air changes, and so it's a it's a wonderful feeling to be so, so close to somebody who who really has gone deep, so deep. Well, get us a little closer. All right, we haven't played this together before, so we'll we'll just kind of wing it. Did we get that? Was it all right? Was it all right? Yeah, I, I think we got it. We, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. I think it was all right. Okay, good. Glenn Hansard's album "The Wild Willing" is available now, so be sure to go check it out. You can head to brokenrecordpodcast.com to check out a playlist we put together for this episode, including his new album and the great Queen song that he sampled. Broken Record is produced with help from Jason Gambrell, Mia Lobel, and Leah Rose. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Thanks for listening. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only 
much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventionalawards. See you there. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.